Today, on this episode of Going Deeper, we are finishing our journey through the book of Joshua in chapters 23 and 24. We talk about God's faithfulness and our faithfulness in response. I'm your host, Kyle McCaskill. I'm Marie Burns. I'm Becky Clark. And we'll get to chapter 23 in just a minute. So we are diving in this week to the very end of the book of Joshua. Sorry, I started out with like this, and it totally that's, on camera. That's all right. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> jumping into the very end of the book of Joshua, chapters 23 and 24, I have a feeling that Becky's got some pretty interesting things to bring to us this morning. So... <laughs> uh, I, I know in my pre-reading, this, you know, we're a little bit off the beaten track beaten path today, <laughs> but we're going to do this anyway. Um, chapter 23, 24. Yep, chapter 23 and 24. We're I'm, trying really hard not to so laugh right now. so many things, so <laughs> many things. Because I know if you're anything like me, you actually have no idea what we're about to talk about. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. I do, I mean, there's a few things, there's a few things that, there's some interesting things that I read about chapter 23 and 24 i have to say uh it's like i'm kind of sad we're done we're it's we're at the end this has been a really good book um and in some ways i feel like chapter 23 and 24 are a little bit anticlimactic and then in other ways i feel like they're obviously exactly where we would want to be at this point Mm -hmm. um so the the chapters are really Joshua's kind of last farewell farewell words to the people of God. And one of the things that is presented, and it kind of makes sense, but I'm not exactly sure if it really matters, is that 23 and 24 are actually the same story from two different perspectives. Okay. I wondered about that. Hmm. You wondered about that? I yeah. did. Well, the it's I got caught up in the fact that it seems like in chapter 23, I mean, he calls all the people, but he seems to kind of only be addressing a certain group of people, maybe, sort of. And then he gathers them again and says basically the same thing, except a little more expounded. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when one of the commentators suggested that likely is just two different perspectives of the same story that seem to somewhat make some sense. Because mm-hmm. um, if you and I, if the three of us were to sit down and tell the same story, we're all going to tell it from a, a different yeah. point of view mm-hmm. and think that each of us will think different details are important to share. Um, so I don't know if it really changes anything too much, except the idea is that the um, the recorder of Joshua, this author, uh, w- wants to show the deep importance of these last words of Joshua to the point that he records it by two different perspectives and kind of gives you a, an even fuller view of 
this discourse that Joshua has Mm -hmm. uh, with the people and the things that he wants to leave them with and the things that the Lord says, I mean, through him and everything. So, you know, it kind of makes sense. There are some spots where I'm like, well, I'm not exactly sure if that could be really true, but it lends itself a little bit more. I don't know. Everybody read those two chapters and then Mm -hmm. decide for yourself, I guess, if you think that's the case. The first chapter of the two seems to be very concerned with the obedience aspect, whereas Mm -hmm. the last chapter seems to be a lot more about how they got here, kind of a reminder of why, which if they're making covenant, which they are, Mm -hmm. that these would be the things you talk about in chapter 24 at the Mm -hmm. beginning of a covenant of the the preamble of what all God has done for them. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, the point that you just made kind of lends itself to thinking that maybe they're two separate speeches as well. You would address the leaders and the priests and all that kind of stuff in chapter 23 and really be talking about the obedience and and the um, adherence to the law Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff, because they were the ones that needed to make sure that those things were enforced Mm -hmm. and taken care of and reminded to the common everyday folk. And then... In chapter 24, Joshua gathers everybody together and does kind of the retelling of the story, and it's the official, <coughs> official, official covenant yeah. renewal moment. So, I don't know. You can kind of interpret it, I guess, however you want. Are they the same thing told twice? Right. Are they two separate times? Eh, you know. Anyway. So, the... Uh, some of the other things, really, I spent more time and kind of was a little bit more fascinated with chapter 24 mm-hmm. than chapter 23. Um, I guess just because some of it had to do with the retelling of the story and the way that Joshua tells it. Did you guys notice in chapter 24 how the um, the tense and the um, pronouns changed? Kind of back and forth. I did not. Y'all didn't pick up on that? No. So when he's telling the story, um, he talks about, um, he's telling it kind of for God's perspective. And he'll say things like, um, and to Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau and I gave, and then I brought your father. So here we are. And then, and you came. And then when they cried, he put darkness. um, And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't their eyes. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. It was it was their ancestors' eyes. He switches the tense kind of back and forth, and I think he does it intentionally because he's trying to mix. He's not confused. Right. The first time I read it, I was like, "Do you, Joshua? In your well, old age, you got a little bit of confusion." Moses and Aaron, and well, obviously Joshua did not send Moses. Right. And Aaron. Yeah. But he yeah. but he changes the tense of kind of who he's talking about. Yeah. Is he talking about the people before, or is he talking about the people who are standing right in front of him? He mixes the story between the two, and I think the intent is that he does it because he wants to make sure that they realize it is still their story. Even though they weren't there for the Exodus, they weren't really even there for the, probably likely for the very beginnings of the time in the wilderness. They just have all these stories. They know the story, but they are a part of the story. So he moves his, his pronouns kind of back and forth and weaves and it, it can be confusing. And I wrote down like, does, does Joshua have a little bit of, um, 
like he he needed a little help and you know he's, <laughs> he's forgot who he was talking to well, you know like yeah. when when yeah. older people are like you're talking to your grandchild but you think it's your child you know kind of thing <laughs> concerned about <laughs> dementia the family <laughs> system was was a lot different then uh-huh. it was than it is now and so Fathers could mean fathers, grandfathers, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But, I mean, mm-hmm. they're getting ready to renew a covenant, so the story mm-hmm. needs to become theirs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're actively or supposed to be taking ownership. Right. Yeah. At this point. And one of the things that is very clear between Chapter 23 and 24 is that Joshua is going back on a lot of ways back to chapter one mm-hmm. when he declared what God had really declared over him initially. If like, if you don't cling to me, speak my words, live into my law, then you have no part of me. You will, you will lose mm-hmm. all of these things that have been promised to you. And he tells that to the people in his big speech right before they go in and um, have their renewal and all that kind of stuff. They take the land and the Jordan, all that kind of stuff. This is very front end. And so at the very back of this book, he's reminding them to be faithful, obedient people. You will... He tells the story, and in 23, there's a lot of this back and forth of like, be faithful, be faithful. Mm-hmm. If you're not faithful, this will mm-hmm. this is what's going to happen. Be faithful. If you don't, this is what's going to happen. Or he says um, in one of the in one of the parts in um, and I can't remember if it's chapter 23 or 24. Basically says you got to you need to pick. Right. Something. That's in 24. Yeah. 24. Yeah. Pick, pick something uh-huh. to be, to believe. If pick God or pick something yes, else. Yes. Where we get the, it's the that ultimatum magnet. moment, yeah. which is like, uh, it's, don't give them another option. Yeah. It's that, uh, the, the cliche verse that we, we try to pretty find. Yeah. yeah. Choose refrigerator for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, I, the commentators I read were very kind of glowing about Joshua and that statement because he's, he has, painted the picture of this faithfulness and the fact if you are not faithful, you will lose everything. Yeah. You will, the promise will slip through your fingers. Mm-hmm. And, and he says, so choose wisely what yeah. you're going to do. And as for me and my house, like we've already made a choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We made a choice from the very beginning of when I was called way long ago to even scout the land. I made a choice to follow God and believe in his faithfulness and believe in his promises. So my family has chosen. Yeah. So what will you choose this day? Which seems kind of funny because they already chose. They're right. in the land, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But I think Joshua knows that when he is gone, the temptation is still there. And the choice is daily, minute by minute kind of choice. And so um, you you have to make it all the time. He definitely doesn't sound convinced that they're... Like he's saying, choose this day who you'll serve. And they're like, we're going to serve God. He's like, no, really. You you can't can't do this on your own. Are you sure? Yeah, and, and he warns them: mm-hmm. if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, He will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after He has been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, "No, we will serve the Lord." So it's like Joshua's like, "Okay, but really, 
Yeah. Who are you going to serve? Okay, so one thing that I I thought was very interesting in this little exchange here, I actually underlined it. So then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those character of God moments for me Mm -hmm. that we find where God did good for them before they did good for God. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I I like that that statement is in there just because it's like Joshua saying, look, you haven't done anything yet. Yeah. You you are going to have to keep doing this. Mm -hmm. God has already done good for you. And if you don't, return the favor, basically. Right. You know, respond out Mm -hmm. of you know, that loving obedience, then it, God's going to turn his back right. on you. Right. You don't just always have the blessing. Right. You can. And, and this was, that. yeah, this was old covenant kind of stuff where if the mm-hmm. people are not obeying and not following God's law. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're out of this picture of yeah. what God is trying to paint for his people. One of the commentators I read made a a statement kind of in regard to what you're talking about and said, you know, the the truth is that when we choose to follow God, there are spots in our lives where there's huge blessing. Mm -hmm. You can, you know, that's attributed to God. And so you kind of, you're living in that beautiful, um, you're living in the beauty of the promised land and the rest. But... There are also times where you are persecuted and things are not going well and financial problems or whatever else. That doesn't change the goodness of God. Right. It doesn't change the fact that we still need to choose him. It, the faith journey is difficult, but it it's the ultimate of what we're trying to get mm-hmm. to with God, which is eternity with him, right? And um we want it to be easy. And Joshua knew, and this is why he said in chapter 24, when they're like, okay, no, we choose God. He's like, okay, so who are you going to choose? And they're like, oh, we choose God. And he's like, Mm -hmm. okay, stop for a minute. Take very seriously and think through Mm -hmm. the choice that you are declaring here, because this is not an easy road that you have ahead of you to follow God. You are still going to have temptation. There are still at this point, even though there's rest in the land, there's still the all the ites around. Yeah. There's still land to be taken. And at some point, God is going to lead you into the place of taking the rest of the land. Now, God do, does the work, but you still have to be faithful and you still have to, I mean, it's still one foot in front of the other. Yeah. You have a responsibility to move and go. So take very seriously this idea of commitment and obedience. And I think Joshua makes them stop because... He recognizes and he knows just how we know that sometimes we make a commitment and we don't take it very seriously. Or we make a commitment and we take it seriously, but then at some point something happens and we we pivot. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just hard. It's hard to have that commitment. It's hard to stay in the midst of that. And... That is the te- the challenge and the temptation. And so let your yes be yes, even when your yes is difficult, or let your mm. no be no. Yeah. Choose God or choose something mm-hmm. else, you know. Um, but but stop before you just jump into the 
oh, no, 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 no. We, we're going to mm-hmm. follow God and sit back and think, what does that really mean for mm-hmm. you? And then respond again however you yeah. need to respond, to be faithful in the midst of that. Um, but, I, I mean, it's true to God is good no matter what. He His character does not change. But we think it does when things get rough. Mm-hmm. You know, we we think, we blame him like he's done something different. He's done something that's opposed to who he says he is. Or it, it, all the blame goes upon him. Right. But really, largely the blame has to do with when we turn and walk away. And, mm-hmm. Which is what happens when you turn to judges. <laughs> you know, yeah. it happens kind of quickly. Yeah. And um, But this is what Joshua is warning against here kind of reminds me of the parable of the the seeds that are thrown out on the different types of paths Mm -hmm. and the they shoot up really fast and they burn out when the sun comes out because their roots aren't deep different things like that it's like you're saying yes i commit to this but you don't really understand what you're saying yes to and you don't even though you think you mean it in the moment because perhaps you're on this lovely mountaintop experience which they were quite literally on a mountaintop there yep you don't really know what you're saying yes to and how great it is of Joshua to say, no, you need to understand what you're agreeing to. Yeah. And gee, if we would stop all Christians at some point and say, understand, yeah, this is not the promise of an easy life. In fact, God promises that things are going to be tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if things aren't tough, we might not be fully living into the promise he has for us. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I was just interested in because the word serve is used serve 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 and so i went and looked up just that particular word and it is uh there's a lot of aspects of how that that hebrew word could have been used and i'm not a hebrew scholar but it's there's nothing in it that is implying something is going to be easy like every single like English translation of what that word could mean implies some sort of labor or hard work, mm-hmm. or uh, it, it even has like bond servant and enslavement. Think about uh, so, Paul and all of his yeah, letters. Yeah, exactly. And so, so I don't know, but I think that maybe Joshua is telling them you are going to now. You know, commit your work, everything that you do to God, mm-hmm. not just we're going to serve God with our lips like we mm-hmm. do. Yes, Jesus is a friend of mine, da, 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 you know, <laughs> um, but then we we go out and the way we act in the grocery store or sitting down at a restaurant table, clearly Jesus is not a friend of mine if I'm going to treat the people around me the way I treat them. Uh, so, yes, it, it is not easy. It is in the very words that Joshua is using, he's saying, this is going to be work. Yep. And I don't think you can really understand the work that it's going to take. And I think we need to make a distinction here that's kind of important is that Joshua is not, 
he's not at this moment addressing kind of the new believer, mm-hmm. you know, which no. is, I think mm-hmm. is there's an important distinction of like, there's a point where you, you step into faith as much as you understand faith, but there also becomes a point where you as a mature believer have spent enough time in relationship with God that it's not that you're called to something more, but you're called to something more. You're, you've moved into deeper. Mm-hmm. And so Joshua is addressing a group of people who are mature God followers. They have spent their whole lives knowing about God. They have experienced these amazing miracles of God. They have they are entering into the promise that they had only heard about before. Mm-hmm. So he's saying to these mature believers, um, this is who this is what you need to commit to. This is what God is asking of you. God will continue to be for you. God will continue to provide. And I was reading in Deuteronomy how God talks about before they take the land um he says, I will, I will make it rain when it needs to rain. I will make the, the fruit grow when it needs to grow. I will take care of all of the needs that you have if you will be obedient when we take the land and do the things that I am asking of you. He will provide in abundance. And so the people who have experienced that in the taking of the land and the moving to the taking of the land, the rest now of the land, and they're coming back to this covenant and and worshiping God for the promise. And he's Joshua is saying to you as mature believers, yeah, do you recognize and do you fully understand what you are committed to? Please understand that, and then take it seriously, and and live into it because if you do. God will do and continue to to do amazing things in and through you. You will experience such miracles and and whatever else. But mm-hmm. we're not talking about give that little bit that you just understand as a as a new follower. I'm talking yeah. about the mature believer to step into this faith in a different in a different way, in a deeper way. And mm-hmm. if you would do that, all these other ites that are around us will experience yeah. God. You know, it's the difference between, well, they, they had been nomadic people all this time. We've, we've touched on this in the past versus being settled in the land. And you talk about being a, a new believer when everything's a mountaintop experience and all these wow, great moments. Mm-hmm. And then you have to come down off the mountain and go back to your regular life. And... God is still there in the midst of the every day, but the miracle is now not the parting of a sea, mm-hmm. but in the simplicity of the rain coming. And mm-hmm. it's not uh, ripping down walls around a city. It's, you know, you had a great crop season and the frost wasn't too bad. And we lose sight of God in those moments. Mm-hmm. And that's when we become complacent Mm -hmm. in our faith and we begin to forget about God not recognizing that He is in everything around us Mm -hmm. and those things no longer seem like miracles anymore it's just this is life and so for us today it's I wake up I take my son to school I go to work I'm living through it Mm -hmm. in and every day and some people think well when you work at a church God's you know it's kumbaya (laughs) and there's always a guitar and I mean yeah we talk about Jesus a whole lot more here than I did when I say worked in the nursing home in Kentucky but it was. It's still easy to 
even when you're mm-hmm. in a church building, yep. to lose sight of it. I mean, yeah. gosh, we come to church. For some of us, it's every Sunday you're there on whatever row, but it's still, it's you're there because it's what you do on Sundays. And sure. it, it just gets so easy, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I get why Josh was like, pay attention here because you're about to settle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's about to become the mundane every day. Can you see God in the midst of it? Because even yeah. when you can't, you still need to be mm-hmm. obedient yep. or all those promises they're gone. Yeah. Well, I mean, it take that train of thought you're on there takes me back to the the first year I went to the Salt Conference, and uh, one of the most powerful messages I ever heard was uh, a guy saying how he had gotten so wrapped up in working for Jesus that he forgot how to work with Jesus, mm-hmm. and. Um, of course, at that time, I'd only been working at Trinity a little over a year, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it was already kind of easy for me to to see mm-hmm. where I could let myself go and, yeah. and and get to that place. And man, that uh, that reshaping of things or, or, or re-perspectiving. Mm-hmm. It's not even a word. Go with it. <laughs> uh, Say it with authority. That's right. Think it's true. People call me Leonard Sweet. <laughs> um, but but yeah, uh, the, the mundane is where we live and breathe most of the time uh, because you're right. It can't be that mountaintop experience. Mm-mm. And then I also want to step back to the thing that I underlined in chapter 23 because it all kind of fits mm-hmm. in all of this stuff. And it's uh, chapter three verses. 14, well, just verse 14, it says, Behold, this day I'm going the way of all the earth, and you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed. That's the New King James Version. Uh, and it's like that reminder that if you do, not just if you do, even if you don't, God's word, his promises are faithful. Mm-hmm. So you should take that that covenant that you're agreeing to very seriously because not just the good things, mm-hmm. but even the things that when you turn away, mm-hmm. God is faithful. Yep. All have come to pass. And not just these nice things that God said have come to pass when you behaved. Right. And he ignored the things that, <laughs> yeah, that's not what it says here. Right. Yeah. Um, and so <clears throat> I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah. Well, as we, as we know of the story, as it continues, mm-hmm. uh, what God warns them of here in Joshua does come to pass. I mean, God's word, God's word is true. Yep. I mean, and so he says in chapter 23 in uh, verse 13, for certain, know for certain that the Lord, your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. You know, if you marry with them, mm-hmm. associate with them, but they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip mm-hmm. on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord, your God has mm-hmm. given you. And one of the commentaries pointed out, it wasn't just the loss of land that eventually happens, it's all these, you know, national kind of disasters as 
as the ites, all the ites come in and fight with them through kings and all this kind of stuff. There's um, and they're famines and all these other things because they're unfaithful. And eventually they completely lose mm-hmm. the land. Mm-hmm. But those things come to pass. Yeah. Those warnings come true because the people of God broke covenant and there were God laid it out quite clearly yeah. to them of what could happen. And I guess they just kind of said, no, God wouldn't do that. Or I don't know, forgot, ignored, mm-hmm. didn't believe that he. But isn't that what we do a lot today too, though? Mm-hmm. Because especially on this side of the, the new covenant, with mm-hmm. Jesus is we we ignore the yeah. the holiness of God, yeah. Because we have Jesus, mm-hmm. and I the this, it's funny because I was actually thinking about this yesterday or day before. So we don't take holiness seriously anymore mm-hmm. because somehow we've gotten in our minds that God doesn't take holiness serious anymore. But if God didn't take holiness serious, then why, why would Jesus have had to come? Yeah. If it wasn't a big deal, yep. then why did we even need Jesus? Yeah. That's often lost today, Kyle. <sighs> we don't like and to talk about I, holiness. I, I, I know we don't. Um, and it, this is like the internal dialogue in my head very often. Um, and and it, I'm talking to myself here very often in in all of this. Not just, oh, how can I use the Bible to prove that what I'm thinking is right and what you're thinking is wrong? Because that's not at all what this is about. It's really about, God, you said, you know, that you're a holy God, that we're to be a holy people for you are holy. And I don't know, maybe I just... I take it very seriously, yeah. and it, it's good to be reminded mm-hmm. often every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All that holiness shows up in the New Testament, too. Mm-hmm. Mean, never mind the part that Jesus is actually there. When you get to the letters that Paul wrote, and Peter especially, which Peter even calls back to Old Testament language when he mm-hmm. says that you need to be holy as God is holy, he actually he, he's pulling out of Leviticus. And if Peter knows anything, I mean, if anybody's going to know anything, Peter walked alongside Jesus all those years. Mm -hmm. It had to have been important to Jesus too. So I I agree with Mm -hmm. the holiness aspect of this gets lost in this day and age because Jesus is love. And Jesus is love. But but as long as you're not hurting anybody else, whatever, it's okay, right? And, of course, we go back to poor Aiken so many chapters ago mm-hmm. yep. who just took some devoted things and buried them in the ground. And lo and behold, not only did it get his whole family killed, but it changed the war. It changed <laughs> yep. the battles themselves. Mm-hmm. Your sin is never just your sin. Yeah. Oh, they lost people on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And then they lost all of Aiken's family, mm-hmm. all of his livestock and all that stuff because what he did. He didn't think hurt anybody else. Right. Sin hurts. And 
thinking only of yourself is there's no levels of sin, but maybe the worst, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because right. well, that's what sin is really surrounded by. Yeah. Sin is selfishness. Sin is the selfishness. Sin is thinking that you are and can be God, that mm-hmm. you are better than God, that you know more than God, that you don't need God. That is the, the root of sin is mm-hmm. that you can be God. He does not have to be. And what I'll say, uh, I kind of feel like we're we're kind of coming to the end of our discussion here on Joshua. We are because we're in the last chapter. But at the very beginning of this, I hadn't actually read the book of Joshua, and there's still pieces of it that I just kind of skimmed over. Uh, But I hadn't done real research on it Mm -hmm. before, and... These conversations that we've had these past uh, month and a half, two two and a half months, I guess mm-hmm. it's been that long, have really helped me to to understand and, and to really reinforce the idea. Because the the idea for me was always there that there's this thread of Jesus that runs through all of it. Mm. That. That the more we see, and yes, some of it is boring with, you know, the allotment of the land and everything. But in all of that, there's so much richness here mm-hmm. that if we stop and just read, and if we're looking for God mm-hmm. in the small little bits here. And not just trying to feed our own selfish desires of, because, you know, sometimes we do end up bowing down at the altar of theology instead of mm-hmm. actually worshiping God. Uh, then, I don't know, it is just, I feel like it has really brought me closer mm-hmm. and, and deeper in, into that relationship. It, just in this one book here. And I, mean, I, I can't say enough about how much I like the conversations we've had over the past few years Mm -hmm. as we've gone through, you know, Leviticus and Hebrews and now Joshua. Um, Just reading it. The thing to pick up, I mean, this is the full intent of the author of of Joshua, is, is the thread of the promises that God makes are promises that God will fulfill. Yeah. So for each one of us in our own lives, what you feel like truthfully in your relationship Mm -hmm. with God is something that is promised to you. God will fulfill that promise. Mm -hmm. He is, he is a faithful God and what he asks of us is to be faithful to him. If we do that, then God provides and he takes care, not always in the way that we think or want, but it is in the best interest of each one of us. And sometimes that road is hard to get to what is the best for us. And the people had to clear land and take lives to get to the fulfillment of the promise, which I can't imagine was the most fun thing to do. But God's promises are true. God holds to his promises. He is a God who upholds his end, and he asks us to uphold ours. 
even in the midst of knowing that we will struggle with it. Yeah. Even in the midst. Okay, before we are done, Mm -hmm. I just feel it is important that we address... Please tell me your brain about 2412. Huh? Yes. <laughs> yes. I was going to ask this. I do feel that we address the hornets. The murder the hornets. hornets. The hornets. It does not say murder hornets in the scripture. We have added the word murder to That's the hornets. To <laughs> but nevertheless, it is 2020. If you were listening to this past 2020, awesome. In 2020, there potentially were more murder hornets. Yes. I don't know what happened to them. They they were hinted at. They were feared. Mm-hmm. And then they disappeared. They disappeared. They disappeared. disappeared. <laughs> uh, but Joshua mentions hornets in chapter 24, <laughs> verse 12. And it says, And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or by your bow. Please tell me what you think he is saying there. Murder hornets. God sent murder hornets. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> what goes around comes around. There is nothing new under the sun. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Fear not the murder hornet. It's already been by. That's right. <laughs> Long time ago. Long time ago. Long time ago. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's where. That's that's okay. Good. Right. So the murder hornets have come and gone, and they have come and gone again in mm-hmm. 2020. Okay. Really. We're the reason we're going to talk about it is because we can laugh about it, but um, it's funny because a lot of people don't know what to do with it, and so they just kind of skip over it mm-hmm. and are just like, I don't know what that means. I don't know what the word means. I don't know what the reference means. It's a little vague. Blah blah mm-hmm. blah. There are a few commentators that try to address it, and they say. It's just kind of like an analogy, um, or it means hornets really just means kind of like a driving out. It's a figurative expression. So potentially it's a figurative expression for the terror God strikes in the hearts of his enemies, the Canaanites. Mm -hmm. Um, He's these, these hornets are just terror and panic, irrational, overzealous, completely crazy, Fear or panic. Hmm. That's right. I remember we had a conversation about this We had a conversation about it and, super long ago. Yeah. And uh, we drew some interesting parallels. We did. There's there's a linguistic similarity to the leprosy, uh-huh. to be stricken with leprosy. I remember we talked about that. We did. But we- it's it's different enough. Like, they the, the two words don't really even look very much alike uh-huh. that the Hebrew words don't look very much alike. I bring it up because at this moment we should just put our tinfoil hats on a little bit okay. and just have fun with scripture. And maybe this is like the, 
you should, this is what you shouldn't do with scripture, but we're going to do it Uh (laughs) because it's just fun. And now for how not to read scripture with Becky Clark. (laughs) How not to read scripture, the things you should be forewarned not to do, but we're going to do it. This is how quickly these things can devolve when you're reading scripture Mm -hmm. with your own intent. Although sometimes it's just funny. Uh, So we did have this conversation when we first we hadn't even done a first lesson on this. Mm-hmm. We, I was doing a, before. yes, I was doing kind of a cursory read through of the whole book. And, um, we had been, I, we had been opened back up as a church for not too long and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And, and our numbers were the COVID numbers were still really high in Louisiana and all that kind of stuff. And so we were sitting in Doug's office. I had like had this moment with a few people and I said, the similarity and the Hebrew word of hornet is somewhat similar to leprosy in this. Uh, and leprosy is a skin disease mm-hmm. that people were um, at the time early in leprosy was a huge deal mm-hmm. and it was contagious and pe- that people were ostracized for it. So if you had leprosy, you were, um, isolated and made to feel um, dirty, and mm-hmm. you had to you had to declare yourself unclean, unclean when Man, you came by. We and... don't have we don't know what that's like at all in 2020. That's right. <clears throat> Again, these are the things you should not do <laughs> for sure, but we're doing it anyway. So we did make an interesting parallel between <laughs> leprosy and COVID, which is too big of a leap and really, really is yeah. inappropriate in some ways. But we were laughing about it. Um, and we were talking about murder murder hornets and that mm-hmm. murder hornets had maybe come in 2020, but God talks about them in Joshua. And so there's nothing new under the sun. And what do we do? And that murder hornets mean irrational fear and panic. I am not saying that about COVID. There, there's truth. I'm just saying... Sometimes you can have fun with scripture mm-hmm. and makes it, you, you know, you get to a point of kind of being lighthearted about some things. Right. And, um, but really, those are bad parallels. Uh, <laughs> those are all very bad parallels. It's not saying anything about scripture. Although I do believe that somewhere deep within me, I believe that there were murder, horn- murder hornets before there were murder hornets in 2020. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I completely agree with these people who just say it's a figurative thing god could send hornets whenever he wanted this is true or not or not so there may have been hornets before real hornets Mm -hmm. real murdering hornets yeah i mean hornet stings you you swell Mm -hmm. it's not comfortable leprosy Mm -hmm. but no i mean if he can sing frogs and gnats and things he could send Mm -hmm. hornets that could hurt you locusts yep and locust that's right so if he mm-hmm. wanted to send murder hornets, he could. There could have been murder hornets. Yeah. He promised mm-hmm. to send the hornets back in Exodus in chapter 23. If you are like to cross reference, you can go back to chapter 23. Yep. And Deuteronomy chapter 7. 
promising that when they go to take the land, he will send the murder hornet ahead of them. And, of course, we know from reading Joshua that their hearts melted in fear. They were right. so mm-hmm. afraid of what was coming their way. But right. Exodus, Deuteronomy, and Joshua. Yeah. It's that it's, same Hebrew it's, word. Really, I agree with the people yeah. who try to tackle the the use of this figurative word of hornets. There's, there's a deep driving out. There's a deep fear that God sets in the hearts of his enemies that— he uses for the good of his people to, to prepare a way or anything like that. So really that's ultimately what it means. Yeah. But so, so next it, time I see a hornet, should I yell, prepare the way for the oh Lord and get running? But, he's driving it, something out. He's driving something out. <laughs> yes. It is, it is interesting. The progression we see here, because in Exodus, it is God saying, I will send the hornets ahead of you. And then Deuteronomy, it is whoever wrote Deuteronomy says the Lord, your God will send the hornets against them. And mm-hmm. then in Joshua, then it's the Lord saying, then I sent the hornets before you. So it's God saying, I'm going to do this. It's a messenger yeah. of God saying, hey, God said he's going to do this. Yeah. And then it's after it happens, it's God coming back and said, see, I told you, I did it. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. God keeping promises. Right. right. Yeah. Murder <laughs> hornets. Murder hornets. And don't they come back in the end? Don't we see them uh, one more time? I feel like Doug, when we talked about There's, it with him, mentioned that there may be a place in Revelation mm-hmm. where they are mentioned. So if you're yeah. listening to this, go do the work and find mm-hmm. it for us because we didn't do that part. Um, yes. <laughs> we just enlighten got off us. track. With, Listener, invite in, enlighten us into. <laughs> we were just where off track return. with making silly connections yeah. that were not mm-hmm. really there, but we were just kind of on a roll at the time, mm-hmm. and it was uh, it was it was fun and everything, but. Um, because sometimes you need to be lighthearted when there when there are serious things happening and you just don't know what to do. But I do think there there were murder hornets. Yes. And we could be figurative too, potentially in twenty twenty of the murder hornets. Mm-hmm. And think that God was driving something out or preparing the way for something that we don't know about yet. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just to prepare for twenty twenty one. I don't know, you know. Or something that God's going to do well, here's, down the road. Here's the thing. <laughs> regardless of murder hornets, no murder hornets, regardless of what 2020 <laughs> still has in store for us in the last month of 2020, or what 2021 has in store for us, God is God. God will still be God. Mm-hmm. And who are we going to serve? Yep. Yep. That's right. That's really what it's all about, anyway. And so that really kind of wraps up our episode for today, which in turn wraps up our opening season of this podcast adventure that we're on. We are going to take a couple of weeks off of posting. So if you're listening to this uh, before the... Uh, or if you're listening to this as we're releasing them, then we will be back on December 1st. We will pub- publish the first in a series of Advent podcasts. And we will also be talking about and leading us into E100, which, y'all, I cannot tell you. We're, we're going to have some new voices come join us. We're going to have Doug. We're going to have Chris uh, come join us for the podcast here and there. And we are going to jump into reading E100, The Essential 100, beginning in 2021, because we know one thing that 21 has in store for us, and Mm -hmm. that is 
E100. We're going to be reading as a group of people. Being in the Word of God as a full church. That's right. Which E100 is the essential 100 scriptures of the Bible, 50 in the Old Testament, 50 in the New Mm -hmm. Testament, that, that tell the story of the people of God. And we as a full church are going to be reading that together and we encourage anybody else yeah. to do it too because we can you can easily join us yeah. from anywhere yeah. and so whether you're connected with trinity in some way shape form or fashion or whether you are not you just have discovered us organically uh, we invite you into this journey with us so look forward to our short little advent mini series i guess you could say that we'll do in december and then in 2021 We'll be on the track of E100. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening. We'll see y'all in a couple of weeks. Mm